Right on radio. Right on radio. And welcome to Right on Radio. It is our Sunday edition live for you this morning. Oh, we're getting an echo, but we'll deal with that in just a moment. Hey, welcome to the broadcast. What a show we have got for you today. A couple episodes ago, we talked about Elijah or the days of Elijah and we talked about a double portion. Well, today the double portion is for you because I had an entire show planned and then Jesse shows up and says, wait till you see what I got for you today. So yes, indeed, you're going to get a double portion. Uh, we don't know if we'll get everything in, but we're going to let the Lord lead us. We prayed it up this morning. We prayed for you and we're going to start off with some music. But before I do, I must bring her on. She is the Deacon of Deep Digs, and her name is Jessie Zaboder. Good morning, Jeff. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. These, these titles just kill me sometimes. <laughs> yes, well, they weren't intended to kill you, although I have taken a lot of arrows in the last couple days, so... We're gonna... Well, whatever you put out there, I have to live up to, so... <laughs> <laughs> Well, you do, though. You exceed. And, and I couldn't find a better word than digs because really it's scripture that you're going through. But so you're digging through scripture as for clarity. But you are the deacon of deep digs because you do have a deep word for today. Jesse, can we start off with some music? Absolutely. Let's do it. I just had this song on my heart today and I want to share it with everyone is three minutes is really uplifting it's from the music in motion broadcast from the netherlands and by the way this song is on the netherlands album which you can find at jesse's website illuminate the darkness.com and we're going to lift up the netherlands as soon as we finish this really nice song so just give me one moment You're the light in the morning You're the breeze in the afternoon You're the water welling up within me You are making me new You're the roots that go deep, deep down You're the energy I need to grow You're the mover of my every season You surround me everywhere
What a nice way to start the program. We should do that more often, Jesse. We should. I agree. I, of course, I that was Pauline Zoe Park here on Right On Radio. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> All right. So, Jesse, I've got a, a few announcements, not too much. And then we got to talk about the last episode. And I promised the audience that you would give your thoughts, but that's really what your deep dig is on today. So I'm yeah. going to carry probably the next five, 10 minutes, and then it's going to be all you. That's great. I'm ready. <laughs> or, or all the Lord through you. Let's, let's be somewhat correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's more, more, uh, kosherly correct. We'll say. <laughs> oh, oh, good choice of words. Cause we're going to go into that. And yes, the last video stirred up a huge controversy. We're going to address that in a minute. But the reason I played the song from the Netherlands is the Netherlands really needs your prayers. They are in upheaval. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. And please, please pray for them. But I also say to you, because we do have a number of people listening from the Netherlands, including Marion, the good friend of this show, is... I consider this a blessing, what you're going through. I think you're foreshadowing what's going to happen to much of the, you know, modern world today is, you know, you're foreshadowing it. So you're going through the test ahead of us uh, in many ways, but I say rejoice in it because the Lord is working there. And although it's hard, we pray for you to all be strong. We pray for you to stand firm on your feet and just embrace it because the Lord is at work and his ways are above our ways. And we thank him for that. Absolutely. We do. Okay, and, you know, my word would be the same for the Netherlands. You know, they're, I think they're kind of in the hot seat right now, but they're in the hot seat because God is purging that evil from the land and bringing it forward. And, you know, what does he tell us that when that happens, just to trust him, to hold on tight and to know that all things are done for our good and for his glory. Amen. And, and it's happening around the world. By the way, we have so many listeners from around the world right now. And I got to say, just a couple places really jump out at me, Jesse. <laughs> There's people who are so strong and fighting in Australia. At New Zealand, like these, these are great warrior people. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tyrannical what's happening in these countries, but the people are rising and they're rising with power. Remember, uh, nonviolent, but we outnumber them, <laughs> you know? We do. Yeah, absolutely. Can, can you imagine a couple million people surrounding a parliament or a Congress and just say, no, 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 get out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're done with you. Get out. Right. I, I want to be part of this movement. <laughs> we will just nicely hold the door open and they have an option walk through the door, or we're, I don't want to be violent, but I mean, we could give them a helpful little boot, you know, out the door. So, <laughs> well, Nancy said she was going to drag Trump out by his hair. I wouldn't do that to Nancy. <laughs> I would do a fireman carry though, which is nice and gentle. Well, I don't know. You might get a heel in your eye if you did a fireman carry, but hey. yeah, and and listen, it, it might not be a gentle landing for her either. You know? but, uh. 
right, but listen, I, I digress. Uh, so a couple things. Speaking of which, that's why we're building an army, Jesse. That's right. And right now, <laughs> Terry's going, oh, no. Doing it again. <laughs> Ladies Thomas, and gentlemen. Terry, I gave Jeff a talk. So <laughs> he'll be a good boy, I promise. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord, keep me from temptation. <laughs> Deliver me from the evil one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So we, yeah, we're goofy today, uh, or at least I am. Uh, listen, we've had such great success. I can't believe the caliber of people who have signed up for Right On Radio. We've got a great team of captains in place. We're delegating responsibilities, but we're about to have a breakthrough in technology and how we handle this. So we're not recruiting for a couple weeks right now. We're automating some processes. We're changing things. It's going to be good for you, the person who's going to join. So no recruiting this week. Uh, you know, if you happen to have sent a, an email because you've listened to a previous show, uh, you know, recently, it's, you know, well, you probably won't hear this immediately, but it's going to take a little bit of time. We're not going to respond for a little while on that. Although we are doing internal communications and we're actually handing out some assignments as we speak. So that is what I wanted to say on the Army. Uh, also, uh, and Jesse, we didn't plan this, but it's something that I think we might want to touch on. Uh, one of our great listeners who has been really helping out, his name is Mike. He sent a, a letter saying, hey, have you heard the Hank Kuhneman prophecy about the snow and the snow in D.C. and stuff? And now we look at what's going on in Texas. And, you know, this prophet, I'm not going to play it. It's an hour long, but I'll tell you, he was spot on. And, you know, and the, it hasn't snowed like this in a long time. It's, by the way, it's snowed in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what it is. So, you know, thank you, Mike, for sending that and for making it stand out. Um, I've actually planned on talking about a couple days ago, uh, but oftentimes we plan a show and then it goes in a different direction as it will today. Uh, but Jesse, Texas, do you want to mention a couple things about that or should we let that rest for now? Uh, we're pretty much going to let that rest at the moment, but we can put out there that Texas needs quite a bit of prayers right now. Um, spiritually, uh, they're under, we'll just say high level attack at the moment. And so, you know, I would just encourage people to be praying for Texas, pray for the people there, pray for, you know, what's going on that can't be seen at the moment. Um, and, you know, just pray for how we can step up, how we can help. Um, my heart has really been as I prayed that, you know, the Lord wants Texas to be prepared. And some of what I'm going to say today is, is going to address that. Like, how do we, when the enemy's coming into the land and we see that happening, how can we be pre prepared? How can we take preventative steps that are go going to make the enemy's job a lot harder and in fact, they're going to make it so the enemy can't progress at all. We have the victory. And how do we claim that victory? So um, if you're in Texas, please listen to the show today. Apply these steps and know God's going to give us this land. Amen. 
Amen. Yeah, there is a lot going on there. You really opened my eyes with some stuff yesterday. And we're digging into some stuff. That's why we're not doing a disclosure today. But there is some wild stuff happening down there. And it's uh, no one else is reporting on it, but we will on this. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's get into the last episode. And it was, listen, I started out the last episode saying this is going to be probably the most controversial show that I've done yet. I was, you know, I tried to be as careful as I could with my words. I did say, look, it's about loving your neighbor. The show isn't about hate. Um, I even entitled the show Dark to Light. And the purpose of me putting it up is continuing the discussion that Jesse and I are going to be covering extensively for the period to come, which is dark to light. The dark side going down, and we're talking about the dark side of the cabal that is going down. This is this is the Obamas, the Soroses. It's you know uh, the 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 booze. <laughs> uh, that's Brennan and, and Jesse speak. Um, I, so, you know, these people are going to be going down, but there's a right. light side that's coming up and the Antichrist is going to be raised out of this side. Oh, I'm getting a message saying the internet is unstable. I hope I was clear there. So anyways, the overwhelming. Yeah, I'm uh, getting some cutting in you know. Okay. So, well, the show must go on. Uh, listen, the, uh, the overwhelming response was very positive and people want us to continue on uh, covering Revelation. So I, I think we should continue a study. It won't be every single program, but we'll continue a study on Revelation. We'll use different sources. Uh, one of the sources I really like to watch is uh, Chuck Missler, but his are very long and drawn out. Uh, I really liked the one that I played last week and I knew it was going to be shocking uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, I like someone who's really bold and I like someone who comes out and, uh, and isn't scared to say things. Uh, you might not agree. There's a bit of a bull in a China shop with that message. Uh, and some of the things that he says are troubling for me, and I'm going to expose some of that as well, but at least it inspires us to look deeper into the word. Is this true? Is it not? Okay. Look, you make up your own mind. We're just presenting information here. Not every bit of information we have has our endorsement, although I found uh, some truth in that message, and his message was only in Scripture. Now, the overwhelming comment, Jesse, that came out in the negative against it, uh, and I want to address this. By the way, some people said if we play this again that they'll they'll never listen again. And so one person wrote down about seven times that I should play an exposed video. So I'm going to play an exposed video and you'll be shocked at my comments after it. Um, but the one big pushback that we had is, listen, if it's, if they're the synagogue of Satan, uh, Jesus is a Jew. The apostles were Jews. How could that be the synagogue of Satan? And I think he explained quite clearly uh, that this isn't a thing about the uh, Jewish people. It's about people who do not have the circumcision of the heart. And, you know, you can even take it a step further. There's, uh, there's Israel and there's Egypt, right? So, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Uh, do you have any comments on that, Jesse, before I play this exposure video? Uh, why don't you go to the exposure video and then I will make my comments 
<coughs> I have a lot of them, so. All right, so I'm gonna play this video. It's a little bit over nine minutes long. I think he did a good job on it. And by the way, I'm gonna comment on some of it because I do not agree with basically anything that this pastor says in this video. I wanna be clear right off the bat that I do not agree, but I have some opinions and that's all they are. It doesn't mean it's truth. It might not be truth to you, but I have some opinions. So let me share my screen one more time here. And this is done by Polite Leader. I think it's done well. It's nine minutes, so I'm gonna play. I hope you had a good week. Well, you can say many things about Steven Anderson, and over the years, people have. But the one thing that you cannot say about Mr. Anderson is that he's boring. And speaking of nuts, I have a nut here, okay? And this is a bolt, okay? So listen, this is what a normal person does, all right? See, I got the bolt right here, represent the male, right? We got the nut right here, represent the female, all right? This is what normal people do, okay? This is what, now let me show you what insanity says to do. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I've been putting off making this video for a while now because I actually like the guy. But as a Christian YouTuber, I have to put my own personal feelings aside and be consistent and faithful to the Word of God, even when I find a specific church leader's charisma and style engaging. So coming up, I'll be providing a critique of the controversial NIFB Bible teacher's views. As a preface, I recognize that there are many in both the IFB and the NIFB who do not support or endorse many of Mr. Anderson's teachings. I know that one teacher does not speak on behalf of you all. I also want those of you who are students of Mr. Anderson to be aware of the fact that my intention here is not to slap Stephen in any way. I'm simply going to be responding to some comments that he has made, which I find troubling. All right, let's delve in. Stephen Anderson is the pastor of Faithful Word Baptist Church in Tempe, Arizona. Mr. Anderson has over 120,000 YouTube subscribers and a large following in general, especially in the United States. The NIFB teacher is an outstanding order who is also fluent in German. He has an upfront, in-your-face persona and is never afraid to share his thoughts on any subject. But over the years, Anderson has made many false, dangerous, and blatantly unbiblical statements. Why I hate Barack Obama. That's my sermon tonight. You're going to tell me I'm supposed to pray for God to give him a good lunch tomorrow while he's in Phoenix, Arizona. Nope. I'm not going to pray for his good. I'm going to pray that he dies and goes to hell. Barack Obama is without question the single worst president in American history. His abuse of executive power exceeded even that of his heavy-handed predecessor, George W. Bush. In addition, the 44th Commander-in-Chief was an advocate of late-term abortions. While running for president in 2008, Obama told a Planned Parenthood audience that one of his first acts in office would be to sign the Extreme Freedom of Choice Act, which would invalidate the federal partial birth abortion ban, eliminate parental notification law, and likely lead to public financing of abortion. In context, prior to Mr. Anderson's statement about praying for Obama to go to hell, the NIFB teacher did remark that the former chief executive wanted to see countless children murdered through abortion. While I am completely on board with Stephen's pro-life position, the fact remains that we as Christians are called to pray for our leaders. That does not mean that we are to pray for their success and their godless anti-biblical policies, but we are to pray, first and foremost, that they be converted. At the same time, I believe very firmly that people who are in positions of authority that promote horrific wickedness will have to answer to God for that. 
Unless President Obama repents of his past actions and seeks God for forgiveness, there will be a day when he will have to stand before God and he will not be able to say, it was just politics, man. The issues in our society are moral issues and God is concerned about them, especially abortion. Here is a clip where Stephen makes some comments about the 2016 Orlando nightclub shooting. Here's the good news and the bad news about this. You know, the good news is that there's 50 less pedophiles in this world because you know, these homosexuals are a bunch of disgusting perverts and pedophiles. That's who was a victim here, are a bunch of just disgusting homosexuals at a gay bar, okay? All right, a couple of things here. Firstly, he's making an enormous presumption in stating that all 50 of these individuals were pedophiles. It completely assumes facts which are not in evidence. Secondly, as Christians, our goal should be to reach out to the homosexual community and preach the gospel to them so that we can be the means to bring in as many people as possible into the kingdom of God. I don't have any advice for homosexuals except to put a bullet in your own head so that you don't molest my kids or anyone else's kids. Completely untrue and unfounded. All homosexuals are not pedophiles. That is just a blatantly false statement. I've studied criminology extensively, read thousands and thousands of case studies, and I can promise you that the vast majority of pedophiles are heterosexuals, not homosexuals. And there also seems to be a strong pharisaical component to his statement here. He says that gay people deserve death. Um, every single one of us deserves death both physical and eternal. It is only because of the beautiful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have been rescued from eternal death. And it is only because of God's unmerited mercy that we continue to have oxygen for a single second. So is Mr. Anderson suggesting that we not reach out and preach the gospel to the homosexual community? What about prostitutes and sinners? Oh, that's right. That Jesus guy reached out to them, didn't he? I think we're going to follow his example on this one. And using the F word to describe individuals who have same-sex attraction, which Mr. Anderson has done many, many times, is definitely not an accordance with speaking the truth in love. In addition to these perilous statements, Mr. Anderson has made slanderous remarks about influential Christian leaders like James White and Jeff Durbin. Well, there's a guy in our town here, a false prophet. His name is, uh, I believe his name is Jeff Durbin. And he passed a church called the Apologia Church. I call it the Apostasia Church. But this false prophet, this wicked dog. Pastor Jeff is not a wicked dog and he's not a false prophet. He's a solid Reformed Baptist pastor. And Apologia is not an apostate church. They are part of a solid Calvinistic denomination that adheres to the 1689 London Confession of Faith. Because they always are into drinking at these churches. And you know what? This Durbin is a drunk. Yeah. He's a drunk! Jeff Durbin's a drunk! His wife's a drunk! They're drunks! Yeah, Pastor Durbin doesn't even like the taste of alcohol. That's a totally false statement that's been well documented and unrefuted by Mr. Anderson. Additionally, in this sermon, the NIFB leader went on to attack Jeff's wardrobe and bemoaned how horrible Calvinism is. Anderson has also falsely accused Jeff of being demon-possessed. But the truth is that Pastor Durbin had a seizure. In addition to the many false allegations against Christian leaders, Mr. Anderson is also a strict King James onlyist. Now, I've got absolutely nothing against the King James Version of the Bible. It's a majestic translation written in beautiful English. But when KJV onlyists like Anderson take it a step further and claim that all modern translations are satanic, then I have to respectfully disagree because I have studied the issue and I understand that they are in error. Let me show you right now that these versions are not just inferior to the King James. It's not just, well, the King James is the best one. I'm gonna show you and prove to you, listen to me now, that these versions are satanic. If you are a King James onlyist, then I do have a question for you. How do you defend the KJV's translation of Revelation 16:5 when not a single Greek manuscript contains the King James reading of, and shalt be? 
More recently, Mr. Anderson has been unceremoniously kicking people out of his church in the most outlandish ways. Hey, sit down. Sit down. What are you, what are you coming up here to do? You want, you want to come take over the service? Huh? What, what do you want? What? I just want a prayer, Red. Get out of here. Can I get, can I get a little grace? No, no you can't. No, you, you get out of here. Get him out of here. Drag this bozo out. Pull him out. Hey, help him out. Get him out. And you know what? Anybody wants to come up here and take over the service? We'll throw you out of here, buddy. This church is not a free-for-all. This isn't an open mic. This isn't a karaoke bar, okay? I'm the man of God here. I meet the qualifications. I run this church. And if you don't like it, then get out. I'm not sure whether that individual was being escorted out for security purposes or whether he was being excommunicated. If it was the latter, well, I read a lot of commentaries on 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm certain that was not the proper way to conduct an excommunication. And the overseer of a church is not to be self-willed, quick-tempered, or pugnacious. Of course, Mr. Anderson has been repeatedly shown on mainstream media outlets. The goal is, of course, to pass the hateful venom of men like Anderson and Fred Phelps off as mainstream Christianity. Leftist journalist sites will almost never feature stories on men like Michael Brown, James White, and Justin Peters. I, of course, believe this is entirely intentional and designed to sully the name of authentic Christianity in the eyes of viewers. In summation, Stephen Anderson is a danger to the health and well-being of the church. I do believe the group he leads is a theological cult. A theological cult is a movement that claims to be Christian, but compromises, confuses, and contradicts essential Christian doctrine. And Mr. Anderson's truncated gospel certainly qualifies as heretical. Ladies and gents, if you have your own thoughts, be sure to leave them in the comment section down below. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, you couldn't have found a better <laughs> controversial video, Jeff. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not scared. <clears throat> so what do you so, think of that, Jesse? Yeah, no, that was interesting to see other things from him. Um, you know, the first thing I wanted to talk about, and it, I'm going to kind of tie it all together here, but from the video the other day, day the first thing that we look at is you know as he's making his statements he clearly was showing us straight from scripture that exactly what he was saying was in scripture so that you know that's part of dividing the word correctly are are they just pulling pieces of scripture and putting them together to formulate it to the point they want to make or are they giving us the word of God straight up, no matter how difficult it is, are they dividing the word correctly? So, you know, about that video that you showed the other day, did he divide that word correctly? I'm going to, you know, people are going to, I'm just going to say this is going to be controversial, but yes, he divided the word correctly. From that, he clearly showed us, you know, what does scripture say? say who a Jew is? How is a Jew defined? Is this about race? Is it about culture? Is it about a lifestyle that you live? No. Scripture is very clear that God defines a Jew by their heart. And if you even go back into further scriptures, um, we have, you know, kind of the last group to really, really practice it as adults, you had the group with Joshua, where 
when the Lord gave Israel the land, he was bringing the army to take over the land and to push, not just push, to utterly remove the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, every Gentile group that was not of God. Why did God give Israel the right to remove these people from the land? It was because they sacrificed their children. They engaged in every form of sexual immorality that they could. They murdered um, every sin that you could name is accounted to these people, but it's not like they just drank, you know, or got drunk or, you know, slept around with women. We're talking grotesque sexual sins and murder, ritual murder. And at the heart of it was their idol worship to Baal and Moloch. And they sacrificed blood after blood on that land. And the Lord said, I've had enough. Remove these people from the land. And what was the first thing the Lord gave Joshua to do? Um, you know, he's got this group of people. Moses had led Israel out of Egypt. And then for 40 years, they wandered in that desert. And so the people that Joshua has as his army are the children that were born in the desert who are now adults. And the first thing the Lord says as they enter into that land is consecrate yourself, set yourselves apart to me. And what's the next thing he tells them to do? They get to this place called Gilgal. Now it's funny, you know, people... Th People get bored reading the Old Testament, but if you really looked into the words, everything has such a deep, rich meaning to it. The name Gilgal, the name of the city where God leads them, literally means roll the reproach away. Now, God has a sense of humor, I think, okay? You've got all these adults, and God brings them to Gilgal, and then he commands them, roll the reproach away. Well, how does he intend for that to happen? He says, circumcise yourselves. These are adult men. Okay, now any guy out there, I know you're cringing. You're like, why would God ask this? But he does. He says, you know, the, these children as kids, they had not, their parents had not done that. They had not circumcised them. And so the Lord commands that circumcision and so, you know, today, really what the word gave, the Lord gave was a word that um, is all about those things, the consecrating of ourselves, the, the anointing, the setting ourselves apart. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this revelations because as you go deeper into that passage, you'll realize that it's not about just who's a Jew and who's not, um, who's the synagogue of Satan and, and who's not in that synagogue. This is about at the deepest levels, each of our relationships with God. That's it. And, and we've brought out, you know, the Lord gave a word, a decree about his bride. And all through scripture, 
the main point about the people and them being set apart for God and Israel is that Israel is the Lord's bride. And as the church, we join in with that all together, we make the full bride of Christ. And so, you know, in that passage where it's talking about the, you know, it's, it's literally talking about the church, that the, the enemy is going to come in, the enemy is going to be persecuting God's bride. And we're going to be tested. We're going to go through horrific tribulation. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be intense. And, you know, there's that period of testing. And the enemy, um, you know, that's part of his job. He puts things in place to tempt us, to test us, to try our faith will the bride remain faithful to Christ? Will we do our job as the bride? You know, so it's hard to put all this into words. Um, When you think about the bride's role, um, the bride was to be set apart for the groom to be completely his, to be pure and righteous and without blemish. Um, And, you know, as we look at the church, what are things that have happened? We know the enemy has come in. We know the enemy has weakened us. I'm going to put a thought out there. The, The bride is not a passive feminine figure. The bride is able to fight. The bride has authority, authority, not only by the blood of the lamb, but authority in the Lord's name to overcome the evil one. And so we have to ask, you know, as he's going through that passage in Revelations 2, what is the spirit of God really bringing forward? he's bringing forward that as the bride has entered into this tribulation, as she experienced these hardships, what's happened to her heart? Has her heart fallen away from the Lord? Has she stepped away from her role as having authority? Now let's talk about the authority of God, because this is now going to get into the synagogue of Satan. What authority has the Lord given to his bride? Scripture tells us all authority has been given to Christ. Colossians 3 tells us, you know, that Christ has the fullness of the deity, the Godhead, the three in one, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Christ has that authority of the fullness of God. And then what does it say? But you, it's very specific. You have the fullness of Christ. Other scriptures, what does it say? That we are to attain the full measure of Christ. 
So we have this full authority that God has given us. But what have we done with that authority? What, what is our authority over? Is it just over ourselves, our own life, our family? No, it goes much bigger than that. We're supposed to steward this entire planet. Exactly. We have the dominion to steward the entire earth, not only the earth, but the heavens and everything that's under the earth. We are to steward for the Lord and give back to him that stewardship. Are we doing that as the church? Are we doing that individually? The the truthful answer is no. The church has really failed in that area. Um, The church is supposed to be the guardians of all this. And the church has failed miserably. Let's call it what it is. That's right. right. Honestly, this this is church right now. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse's preaching. (laughs) well and and so then our next question is who is stewarding who is stewarding and and having the dominion right now over what belongs to the church that's exactly where revelation the biggest name pastors and that that are on the circuit right now i'm telling you they why don't they touch on these difficult topics why don't yeah. they address these things? Ask yourselves those questions. And this clip, look, this guy's controversial. There's no doubt he has some issues. <laughs> you know, no doubt. Uh, now, with the Obama thing, I'll just mention this quickly, Jesse. I don't want to throw you off by any means. But, you know, maybe he knows what we know. And I'll tell you, am I capable of having those thoughts? Yeah. Do I overcome it? Yes. But listen, I'm emotional. When you find out what happens, like how could you not consider those thoughts? Now, to go out and say it on YouTube is, you know, that's a stretch. Right. And to, to, to what he said about gays and stuff, I completely denounce all that stuff. He's a troubled guy. It doesn't mean the Lord can't speak through him. Right. Absolutely. I agree. And, you know, his word about Revelations 2 was, was right on. And you know, we'll get into that. Who is the synagogue of Satan? You know, it is. It is made up of Zionists and Kazarian Jews. Kazarian mafia. Yeah. At the heart, it goes all the way back to, you know, the family lines of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, all of us are part of these bloodlines because they have done so much intermixing throughout the years to get their genetic hybrids that, you know, I mean, I once said to, I have a friend who he's fully Jewish. And, you know, when I started to share my story with him, you know, at the time I, I didn't understand the, the Jewish connections. And, you know, I understood there were people who were posing, you know, who claimed the bloodlines but did they really come out of those 12 tribes? I would question that. And I said, you know, I'm probably the most Gentile friend you're ever going to have. And he was like, oh, no, you're a Jew. I'll prove it to you. And I was like, I'm not Jewish. I hate to tell you, you know, like my family are highly German <laughs> and, uh, you know, strongly Gentile. And he's like, oh, no, you're Jewish. Well, 
it took him just a couple months. And, the, you know, as I started diving more and more into that further history of my genealogy, I was like, oh my gosh, he was right. Like I am a Jew. Wow. Okay. I, I would have never understood that because you do have in the system, you know, where you have these people who are cloaked in guises, they pretend to be what they're not and what they truly are, they hide. And so, you know, even in the family lines, they don't tell you that you're Jewish or that you come out of that background or that there's any connections to Israel at all. All of that is hidden and, and you're taught to hate, you know, hate the Jews, hate God, even though you have to pretend like you love God and you're pretending to love God better be so darn convincing that, you know, nobody would know that you don't love God. So this is the extent these people go to. And, you know, if you go back through that biblical history, I want to talk about temples for a minute because that word synagogue was not just used by accident. It's used very purposely by the spirit of God to convict the heart of those who are hearing this message. And it was meant to be one of those strong statements from God. He's not just using the word lightly. He is confronting these people, not only about the state of their heart, but about the relationship with him. And so he, you know, he says they are a synagogue of Satan. Now, go back in history to the time of Moses. What did the Lord initially set up? Where was the place where he would meet with Moses and give Moses his words for the people? Can you tell me what it was called, Jeff? Sorry, I was, I was looking for something (laughs) on my computer and half listening. I apologize. Nope, you're fine. So, So the place originally where God met with Moses to give him words to the people, what was that structure called? You're not talking about on top of the mountain. Well, you're right. Originally there was the mountain. What was before that? That was the place where God's glory, his spirit would come and dwell with Moses. Okay, go. Okay. It was called the tabernacle. Right. So originally they had the tabernacle. Then in David's day, David says, I want, you know, no longer to have the tabernacle that moves from place to place. You know, David asked for permission to build a permanent structure where the spirit of God could dwell with men. And that was called the temple. Okay. So, between those periods and we know that the spirit of god he did not allow david to complete the temple building but he gave solomon that task and scripture tells us that the glory not just the light of god i I gotta clarify here you know we're not just talking the light the presence of god we're talking the shekinah glory of god 
came into this temple place. And this is the part of God's being that only certain people got to see up until this point. There wasn't a place where they could come and be in that full presence of God. And the Shekinah glory, it's a very special word. It literally means heavy. It's the heaviness of God. And so when they would go into this temple, the heaviness of the spirit of God would be so strong upon them that many of the Jews would have to leave. They would say, we can't be in God's presence. It's too heavy. It's too strong for us. And they couldn't dwell in that glory of the Lord. And so when the Lord uses that term, we know that later because of sin, that Shekinah glory left the temple. God separated himself from the people. And, you know, he promised that there would be a time again where his glory would come and dwell with his people. So if we notice now, do the Jews continue? Sometimes they call, you know, they've got the temple and that's still called the temple where it used to be is what they call the Temple Mount or the temple. But what are all these other little buildings that they built? These places where God is supposed to dwell with them. Where did the word synagogue come from? Why do they call it a synagogue? That's not ever what it was called. And does the spirit of God dwell there? It doesn't. That's why they call it a synagogue. Oh. It's an empty shell, a building without the living, heavy presence of God. And so the Lord calls it rightly when he says, you know, but they are a synagogue of Satan. Why does he call it that? Because the presence of God is not there. And when the presence of God is not there, any demon, any spirit that's unclean can dwell there, can abide there with the people. So God is directly confronting them, saying not only do they claim to be Jews, but they're not, but they are a place they dwell under the guise of being in a place where they're supposed to dwell with me, they lie about it. It's an unclean place. It's unclean ground. And they dwell there with unclean spirits, with Satan himself. And they worship Satan. Wow. So, Jesse, I just looked up the etymology of the word synagogue. And this is pretty wild actually uh I, it's fairly long so i'm just gonna read from the second part of it uh from congregation of the jews from greek synagogue place of assembly synagogue meeting assembly literally a bringing together from synagin to gather bring together assemble 
from sin together, see sin, plus agian, put in motion, move. From pi root ag to drive, draw, out, forth, and move. Whoa, I'm not sure I got my head around that, but there's some <laughs> stuff that sounds like it's kind of confirming what you're saying, Jesse. It's, an, it's a gathering where they gather in uncleanness. And so, you know, the deeper part of all this, um, you know, is you have to look multi-layered. Um, you know, what Pastor Anderson covered was that first layer in scripture that, you know, as individual persons, we are in a relationship with God. And those who claim to be in that relationship have to look at their hearts. Is your heart circumcised? Now, we're going to talk a little bit more as I bring out more of this. We're going to go back to that authority of the bride. And we have to ask the question, you know, what is the bride supposed to be? The bride is supposed to be set apart. But our bodies are, are more than just a body. It's more than just, you know, us coming into this union with God. We are meant to dwell together at a quantum level to be tangled together. If we put it into picture form, our bodies are that temple where the spirit of the holy God dwells in his fullness and we dwell as one. And we have to look at that temple and we have to say, is that temple clean? Is it pure? Is it set apart? Is it a place where God can dwell? Is it holy ground? This is what we're getting to with this passage. It is about holy and unholy ground. And so at a personal level, our bodies are part of this holy ground. And so that's the first layer, you know, is are our bodies holy ground, but it goes beyond just us. It's corporate. The bride is made up of many bodies coming together that form one body for Christ. Corporately, is the ground holy? Is it set apart for God? If not, then how are we any different than a synagogue? You know, on, on the outward appearance, we can have an appearance of godliness. We can have an appearance of holiness. We can have an appearance that we fulfill the law, that we obey everything, that God wants us to do. So, but go ahead. Well, Jesse, so what you're saying is so deep and, you know, I, I'm just a simple guy. So, and, and a lot of people will listen to things and everyone hears things and interprets things a little bit differently. So, you know, I think part of the good combination of you and I is, you know, you're very deep rooted in the scripture. And so am I, I was a Bible teacher for a while. Uh, for a couple of years, actually. But what I found is, you know, 
in evangelizing, it was better for me, at least my, you know, what worked was, you know, not beating people over the head with scriptures and just kind of living it out uh, to some extent. But what, what I want to say here, uh, and, and see if you agree with this, so I'm just kind of summarizing a little bit. First of all, I know lots, I've lots of good business and personal friends, relationships who are Jewish who go to synagogue. Do I think they worship the devil? No. I have a lot of good friends, family in that, that, you know, go to church, Catholic churches, different churches, different denominations who don't really have a great relationship with God. And, you know, the Catholic church, we look at the Vatican, which is the head, they have done some really bad stuff over the years. Do I think that the people who go to that church to sing hymns and do the sacraments and that are worshiping the devil? No. There are good people who go to these things, but have not really had the full circumcision of the heart. And by the way, that's in a church that's on fire for God, too. You know, we can get into the charismatic movement and things like that that are going on. Some of that's of God, some of it's not. Some of it's of God that there are is in these synagogues. Some of it is not. There, there's a mix. And by the way, the devil always puts truth into a lie. Mm -hmm. And it's in every step of the way. Listen, do we have all the answers? No, but this is a good conversation worth having. So this is not anti-Semitic. Jesse and I love Jewish people. In fact, we preach every single time on this broadcast, love your neighbor. We've prayed for Killary live on air. You know, if there's one person that I don't want to pray for, it's Killary. Right? Absolutely. And and you're right. You know, the, the whole point of the message is not to say that everybody who goes to a synagogue is in, indulged in evil and, and bad. That's not what we're saying. What we're challenging oh. here is each person's heart that you have to look. I'm encouraging people saying, look inward, look inward because the enemy, that's where he's attacking us. He's attacking our identity. He's attacking our authority. And my message really is, you know, we are called to be faithful stewards of that. So how do we correct that problem? If we're not being faithful stewards of it, what changes do we need to make? It starts with that inward look, you know, where is your heart? And, and then that inward look has to turn outward. Who are you connecting to? And does that mean you stop relationships because they're ungodly? Absolutely not. No. I mean, I'm the person who's like, are you willing to fight to the death? to win people who are on the other side. Do you love people enough to lay your life down in that fight for them? And that's where the Lord is driving it, you know, and, and what is the, you know, that passage, it ends off, you know, I've just shared the depth of how harsh that comment was meant to be. It, it was meant to be the Lord putting down his foot saying, I know who's in this synagogue of Satan. 
he intimately knows who's in that, who's not walking rightly with him. But yet, what are his following words? Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. You will be tested. You will go through tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful. And that's the whole point of that passage. Why did God point out that he knows who's in the synagogue of Satan? Because it has to do with faithfulness of the heart. And he says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He didn't take his promise away. He didn't say some of you are in the synagogue of Satan and I'm going to take away my promise of dwelling with you, my promise of life. He doesn't. He reiterates the promise. I know those who are in the synagogue of Satan, but be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Oh, well, not one is supposed to be lost. Not one not one and and again he doesn't desire any to perish that's right and again the the purpose of that going in by the way like like i always say i had a different show planned i saw that that morning and i thought well this is it because it fits with our dark to light thing that we're gonna do in fact i'm gonna make a playlist on it because again this is where listen the synagogue of satan we're just going to use the Lord's words here and correct me if I'm off base here, Jesse, because sometimes I am, but the synagogue of Satan, they believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe he came and died on a cross. Right. Right. And that was a big point of that 14 minute video that we played. So they're expecting him to come. Who is going to be the next one who arises and calls himself Christ? And where do you think he's going to rise out of? Yeah, the Antichrist. Who will be lifting this false Christ up? These are the questions, and that's the purpose of putting it on there. So, listen, you don't have to agree with everything the pastor said. You don't have to agree with us. But let's have the conversation, because I think Jesse and I, going down this path, are years ahead of every other show out there that's just doing current events we're talking we're telling you the future we're tell we're talking about it and we're going to expose it and we're going to expose the players as they pop their little heads up yeah and, and there's more to this you know it it's not the information is the revelations are not just given just so we know and understand what's supposed to happen they're given because they're literally being um, revelation is like this continual unrolling in reality. The Lord's words are spoken. You know, he's already decreed from the very beginning, what is going to happen until the very end. Yet at the same time, they're living and moving and they're unrolling as history is played out as we're living them. And so we're in that point where, you know, these words are unraveling and they're being played out. And what does the Lord want us to do? You know, we know the Lord wants us, not only our personal selves, 
but the land that he's given us authority over. So this goes back to Texas. Okay, I'm going to point out Texas here. The Lord wants all the land to be stewarded, and which means anointed, set apart, consecrated unto him. So let's put that in. I'm going to try to put this in as easy terms as I can. What does God want? Texas, you've got the enemy camping out in different areas of your land on the land as well as below the ground if you own land in texas if you you know scripture tells us everywhere your feet tread the lord will give you that land i'm going to encourage everybody go out buy anointing oil Take that oil with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, put a little bit of that oil on the ground and say, Lord, as a steward of this land, I am giving this back to your sovereign authority and control. Now, while I'm saying that, this morning I got a call. I'm not going to say names, but I have a very good prayer partner and prophet of the Lord. And last night he had this vision. The Lord allowed him to Judah. And hey, as Jesse, he was seeing this picture of the Lord, you, you is this powerful, mighty the Lord allowed him. Oh. Okay, got it. So the Lord allowed him to see this beautiful picture of him as the lion of Judah. And so as he's looking at this beautiful lion, massive, big, strong, the Lord says, tell me what you see. And he kept saying, you know, describing the lion and the Lord's like, no, tell me what you see. And finally, the Lord said, look at the tracks. And he realized that the tracks the Lord had made were embedded into the land now think about that. What does it take for a track to be embedded? Either it has to be traveled exactly over and over and over so that it wears it down and the prints are in the same place, or it has to have this massive amount of weight to it. But this is what the Lord desires. So think about footprints, where your feet step. We are following in the steps of the Lord. He wants to embed his foot. He wants to get rid of the enemy's footholds. He wants to have his footprints embedded in the land. And how do we do that? We do that by anointing and consecrating the land to the Lord. As we do that, as we tear down the strongholds and we give that land back to the Lord, there's a promise. The Lord says that when we tear down the strongholds, he will drive out the enemy from before us. He will give us the faithful stewardship of the land. He will drive out all the unclean spirits, all the uncleanness, the ungodliness. So 
I'm going to start with Texas. Are we going to claim the land that God has given us as the church, as the bride of Christ? Are we going to faithfully steward it? The first step means you need to get out that anointing oil. You need to start consecrating the land everywhere you go. You need to claim it for Christ and give it back to the Lord. Jesse, this is so powerful. You're, you're actually giving advanced warfare stuff right now. And, and if I could just add to it, because, you know, uh, the thing that the Lord put on my heart, and I've shared it on air before, but it's worth mentioning again, I'm just going to add it to what Jesse said. Not only take that oil, but claim it for yourself in the name of the Lord. Say, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Yes. I'm going to take responsibility for this in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Ask him to expand your tent. Ask him to give you that land and you take responsibility for it. Because as we start to take responsibility, because that's what we're called to do. We are called to manage and rule over this. Listen, the Luciferians have been in charge. We are supposed to be in charge. We've advocated responsibility. It's time to start taking it back, and it starts with some personal responsibility in that. And I love how you said with the oil, because that's just the sacrament. of it. Jesse, it's beautiful what you said. Yeah, and, you know, it's simple. Some people out there are asking how you do it. It's nothing that's too difficult. You simply, you know, pour or put drops of oil on the land and you just pray. You say, Lord, you know, I'm consecrating, anointing this land for you. I'm setting it apart that this is now a place where your spirit dwells. I rebuke all evil spirits that may be here. I bind them and cast them out from this land and I ask, Father, that you will put your presence here in this place and that this may now be a place where your spirit dwells with us. And, you know, it, do it doesn't even have to be that extensive. You could simply just put the oil and say, Lord, let your presence dwell in this place. I'm giving have, this land to you. Have your heart right. <laughs> right. Have yep. your heart right in it. And by the way, this is for you in the Netherlands. This is for you in Australia. This is for you in New Zealand. This is for you in South Africa. This is for you in Canada. This is for you in the UK. Go out there, start claiming the land and driving out the enemy's presence. We, we can't just sit back. It's nice to sit back and say a nice little prayer, but go out and take it. That's right take it by force. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring out a passage. It, it just has to do with the taking by force, but um, the connection is that, you know, there's the passage that says about the Lord Jesus Christ, that when he took our sin, it says he, he took away the sins of the world. And that's how, how our scriptures are interpreted, just that he took away our sins, okay? But the actual Greek word of take away literally means, it, it's a military term, literally means that the, he grasped, grasped it forcefully and ripped it from us and took it for himself to dispose of it and do whatever he wanted. 
it, it implies this violent, horrific ripping away. And, and that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to violently take this land by force from the enemy, to rip it out of the enemy's hands and to say, no, this is not your property. It is not your inheritance. You are not the steward of this. We are. The bride of Christ is the steward, and we're not going to leave it in your hands any longer. And, you know, that reminds me of, uh, you know, the word shalom. Well, I, I, I think I've mentioned this on, on air before, but uh, there's actually a picture that I saw that's representative of the word. And so it means victory, essentially. Mm -hmm. But the picture illustrates, you know, like Jesus Christ standing as a warrior with his foot on the neck of his enemy and a sword in his hand holding it to the neck of his enemy. It means victory through war, essentially. You know, it's, 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 right. it's, it's, it, it, this is a war. Now, what, is, so the sword, what is our weapon? Well, it's the word of God is our weapon. Right. You know, we don't need to draw a sword right now. We need to pray. That is our greatest weapon. This is, and pray in strength and pray knowing, knowing if you're aligning with the word of God, knowing that it's God's will. So it will be done. That's it. Right. It's that simple. That's it. His will be done. <laughs> Steppenwolf, rock and roll. I love Steppenwolf. Yeah. I'm an old so, rocker, Jesse. Those, I know you're an old rocker. Those were my comments about the Revelations 2 passage. I don't have words yet on what to say, you know, about things, comments that showed that pastor making, um, you know, at the heart of it, he's speaking truth. Um, you know, scripture went to the full extent where if there was sin in the camp, in the days of Israel, in the days of Moses, the sinner was pulled outside of the camp and it did not matter the age. So even if it was a child that chose to rebel in word or action against their parents, and I'm not saying here that parents should do this. I'm not promoting what I'm saying next, but, but this was the extent, you know, we have to understand the extent of God's word that if there was any sin in the camp, the sinner was pulled outside and collectively, you know, the Israelites would stone that person to death. They would purge the sin from among them. And it stood as a testament that they were choosing to have no sin in their camp and to not be identified with anything that was evil. Um, you know, it's a whole new level in our day the the blood of christ really displays god's heart you know he desires that none should perish um but does that mean that we passively stand by well sin is continuing does it mean that we allow those who are held captive in different forms of sin 
to blatantly flaunt that sin and promote it and grow it and make it a stronghold in our community. No, it, it doesn't mean that at all. So there's this tension that's created. You know, the homosexual community are doing just that. They're growing that community. It's not just one person indulged in sin. There's this movement to make it where it's acceptable in the schools to, um, you know, cut, cut, I guess we'll just say this coming out campaign. Um, and to the point where now, if you are a straight individual, you're prosecuted, persecuted, you're made fun of um, because you're not indulging in every form of lifestyle that is available to you. So what, they they're doing, what they're doing with kids right now is so disgusting. In fact, and by the way, if anyone in this audience has any connections to Gina Phillips, I want her on this show because what she has to say about how they're programming kids right now is incredible. And yeah, you know, she, we got to come against this. And and by the way, just a, just a note on the on the homosexual thing and stuff like that. Uh, one of so a church that I used to belong to the the apostle over the church essentially the person with authority came in and he was from South Africa and he said one of the most wise words on this subject that I've ever heard and I've used this and it's ingrained in my heart ever since then their sin is no worse than yours that's right so you know if, if you want to cast the first stone you know, be really careful. And when you're pointing the finger, remember there's three pointing back at you. I hate these little cliches, but they're true. Look, their and, sin is no worse than mine. I'm a sinner. Right. I try to sin privately. <laughs> and this was exactly where I was going. You know, it's like we can't be, you know, we have to engage with individuals where they're at and and Bible thumping or condemning convicting them, making them feel shamed. None of that is going to make a difference. All that's going to do is shut their heart off. We need to know them as people. As we build those relationships and those connections, you know, and it, it comes at the price of, of putting up our boundaries to say, to have the courage to say, you know, well, why, why do you choose to live that way? And I disagree with you. I don't promote that type of lifestyle. I choose not to live that lifestyle. And engaging in those conversations. And that engagement is where the spirit of God is going to work, not just on them. The spirit of God is first going to work on you. He's going to point out the areas of sin in your life. And that's where we win people. When we can look at that person and say, you know what? I struggle with sexual sin too. I, I you know, what if it, for a lot of people, maybe it's porn. And do you have the courage when you're talking to that person to admit your own sin and to say, I've got an area in my life that I struggle and this is how I know it's not what God has for me. 
Because how do I feel after I engage in that? How does it make me feel? Is that how God wants me to feel? Is that how a healthy person is supposed to feel? No. So therefore, I know it's wrong. And as you share those stories, as you enter into that truth and that powerful confession, that's what the Lord is going to work in to move hearts. You know what? I'm going to point people back to that uh, broadcast we did on November the 3rd, actually, with the election day one, because we talked about it. And it's really a technique that you can apply here. You have to meet people on the same human level. And so if I'm going to a gay guy and I'm going to try to minister, I'm not going to start talking gay. That's not what I'm talking about (laughs) by, by any means. I'm not going to be doing that. But you have to meet them on a human level. And you have to, you have to, you know, get a common rapport. And, you know, one of the things that I've found and, you know, is I know a people, a couple of people who fell into that lifestyle and have since come out of it. Okay. And they, they were rescued by God and, and everything out of it. But here's the, one of the common denominators, because a lot of people who fall into that lifestyle weren't really born that way. Like the song says, um, what it is, and, and listen, this is why I fell into the, the, the wrong crowd myself when I was a younger guy. The good crowd is really hard to get into. The bad crowd says, come here, mm-hmm. right? It's really yep. easy to get accepted. And, you know, and so a lot of people, when they can't find the acceptance and everyone wants to be loved, some people go into that. And, and then, of course, there's all this reinforcement in the programming media saying it's okay to be that way. And, right. you know, again, but I say, look, their sin is no worse than mine. That's right. You know, it's, uh, and we, ha- and it, we have, I to think that's people. the reality. You know, we need to say my sin is the same in God's eyes. Sin is sin. The consequence of sin is the wrath of God and death. That's what we deserve. There's only one way to be redeemed and washed clean of it. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ and confession. And if we don't get back into that right relationship with God, scripture actually says we're worse than the sinner. The sinner without God, you know, hasn't tasted the goodness of God, hasn't tasted redemption. But those of us that have, and we continue to be in that sin, it says that we are in a worse state than the unbeliever. And that's why some of these big names, you know, and some good people of God have fallen. They get so much more temptation. They get, you know, the enemy focuses on them. Look, the the drug addict on the street or whatever, you think he's a player in this? The devil doesn't even care about it. He already has that guy. He doesn't care, right? They go after the big names and there's temptations and people fall because we're human. But what you nailed, Jesse, was in, in the spirit, but there's also the physical reality. Now, in the physical reality, some sins are worse than other sins. Absolutely. Look, if I fooled around on my wife, that would be a terrible sin. It's adultery. Okay, now I'm talking in the physical, not in the spiritual. If if someone was to mess with kids, 
that's worse. And there's a physical consequence. There's physical justice. And by the way, God allows the justice to happen. So, you know, am I going to go to jail for fooling around on my wife? No. By the way, I don't fool around on my wife. <laughs> I just want to be clear. I'm glad to be clarified that. <laughs> some, people, some people, you know, like to troll on every word, right? Um, but, you know, if I was to do something else or someone, is, the consequences of that are very bad. And, you know, it, but it's also an unjust system because if someone's, you know, keeps doing it over and over, they don't seem to get the harsh penalty. But the, the good person who made one mistake they throw the book at them, right? It's right. You know, uh, the justice system is unjust right now, but it's coming around. God's promises are uh, are coming around. Anyways, Jesse, what a great show! Well, man, I this I'm gonna I probably should change the uh, the name of the show to uh, Jesse covers Jeff's ass <laughs> because you you uh you really helped helped me on this one jesse because you know listen i'm not scared i'll stand by anything i put up there but you know jesse really showed up to bat and by the way i didn't ask her to do this she heard from the lord and she came forward with these scriptures so um we are so fortunate to have jesse in our ranks and by the way um my freezing i think so uh, yeah, you froze for quite, we missed what you were going to rename the show to. Oh, uh, okay. So you uh, froze from there. <laughs> Jesse covers Jeff's ass on the last program. <laughs> but we didn't plan, yeah, I, like that I didn't title. ask Jesse to come up with things to support what I put out there because I stirred up a whole bunch of stuff in her absence. She actually heard from the Lord and did this on her own. So um, I, just, I, I was just saying how luck isn't a good word so how fortunate we are to have jesse and her vast knowledge and experience uh in both sides of the equation to uh to give us some reality on this so thank you very much jesse um uh, do you have any final words because i have one last thing i'm going to play about a one minute video clip before we get out of here yeah no let's see the clip and this is what i was looking for when uh when I wasn't paying attention. It just was, it was just put on my heart to... Uh, but you weren't listening to my sermon, Jeff. Well, I was listening. I'm just not really good at multitasking. Then, uh, but, you know, I'm thinking of the audience, Jesse. So uh -huh. I heard this this morning, and I'm only going to play about a minute, a minute and a half of it, but somehow, you know, how we ended up on justice and stuff like this, this really kind of... Uh, ties it in so this is like my favorite uh kim clement of course and let me just play this here shall say no you will not come and rape us as you have in the past babylon you will not exist in our schools and in our legal system the babylonian spirit shall be brought to nothing and jezebel herself shall be down on her knees says the lord jezebel herself shall be down on her knees says the holy one and jezebel herself shall be down on her knees says the spirit of the living god for i have tolerated enough and now god says allow me to give you a four-year period of an extension of grace an economy of grace has existed but now God says there is gonna be an overabundance of grace that's gonna be granted to your children and to your children's children watch and see says the Lord I'll take them out of darkness 
put light into them and send them back to darkness. And they will go as the lunatic that was delivered by Jesus. And Jesus told him to go back. He was the first one that was set aside as a missionary in that place. God says, I'm raising up a whole troop of missionaries out of your children. I'm raising up missionaries. They're going to go into the culture and they're going to take Babylon and say, you submit to us. We don't submit to you. The Daniels of this hour shall look at the King Nebuchadnezzar's and the King Darius's and they shall say no we will prove to you that our God is the only God watch me says the Lord as I take the atheists and the agnostics and prove myself because the angel that has come to reveal the mystery as in Revelation 10 it has been spoken says the Lord that there is an angel that says we have blown the trumpet the final trumpet now the mystery that was spoken by the prophets of old shall be opened up for this generation to hear the secrets of God and take the kingdom by force, says the Lord. Come on. And take the kingdom by force. Was that not what we were saying? Take it by force. (laughs) And the the justice, the education, like it just, I I had to play that. (laughs) No, that was absolutely the best ending ever. Perfect. And, you know, and by the way, one of the great takeaways from that video is if we ever get the office of a prophet or something like that, I want to have a really grooving band like that. <laughs> I could, you know, get the rhythm, get the feeling it. <laughs> so very interesting. But, you know, the other thing that was going through my mind as I'm trying to imagine you with this band is that today the Lord fulfilled Clement's prophecy, you know, that the children will take the land by force. And the Lord just clearly outlined how he wants that done. So it starts with get out your anointing oil, start anointing everywhere you go. Give the land to the Lord. Yeah. And listen, there was a couple comments and one person was asking you, Jesse, to take uh to talk about the the kids coming out from under uh, the White House and stuff like that. So I've actually put up an article. Uh, Go to the Telegram page for Right On Radio. And I'm going to be putting up a chat page soon as well. Uh, But right underscore on underscore radio. And there's a lot of good news there. And it was actually just this morning I put up an article. And not only about the kids coming out of the tunnels there, but historically, you know, the 35,000 kids in April and you know, things like that. There's actually some numbers and it seems to be some credible reporting as well. So uh, do join us on that. Uh, Last thing, Jesse, a number of people commented because we gave such a strong endorsement for the Two Champions Fund. Uh, The link was working and then it stopped working. It went right to uh, to the page, but it would not find the page. So we don't know what's going on there. It was the right link. Yeah. Yeah, so we're not sure the enemy, like I said, the enemy has been making it almost impossible for these champions to, you know, have the finances they need right now. Um, So I guess I'll put in the comments um, a mailing address, but, you know, I'd prefer if we can do everything through the GoFundMe. um, or, Or maybe we'll just leave it here for now. If you're still having problems with the link, reach out and let me know um, so we can monitor that. 
but that is our preferred way of working through this right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, after this broadcast, I'll uh, I'll I'll put a description up under this broadcast, so you know you don't have to rewatch it. But if you go into the description, you could see the uh, we'll try a new link. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, we'll hope it works, but we're going to keep trying. Look, these guys really, really need our help. And and by the way, uh, it's worth mentioning, if there's ever a time when, you know, you should read a book, it's now. And the book I'm going to recommend to you, and, and particularly to some of you, because I read every one of the comments on Thursday's show, and it was probably one of the most commented show on, Jesse, there are some people who worship you. And I love you as a sister in Christ. Well, please don't do that. <laughs> yes, don't worship no. Jesse. No, <laughs> don't. But <Please> don't. <laughs> but buy her book because her book is called "His Kingdom Comes in Power," and it clearly steps out. And some of the things we were talking about today about talk, taking authority and how much power His Kingdom has. This is what is in this book, and it's really a read that you should do it's available on amazon today by jesse his kingdom comes in power amen and yeah and pray i've got a second one it's not the sequel to that book but i've got a second one the anointing overflows that should be coming out pretty soon here so and i am working on my next book as well i know and everyone's saying what about your book jeff and i get questions about it all the time um can I just go on a quick diatribe on why I don't advertise my book? Yeah, go right ahead. And, and by the way, Jesse's read my book. My book is very good. Um, it is listen, very good. Very simple. Uh, so there's a couple reasons. The first is I don't want this broadcast to be about me. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm just really glad to be able to host it and to have great company with Jesse and some of our guests. Uh, but the second reason is. You know, my uh, my wife is extremely supportive of what we're doing here, but she didn't sign up for the danger element. And, you know, putting my book out there kind of because the book reveals a lot about me, who I am and stuff like that. And by the way, all of our insiders and stuff like that all know what my last name is. You know, Shepard is kind of an alias. I'm not hiding. I don't want to be hiding. In fact, I'd love to promote my book. It goes against everything in my body to not promote because this is what I do. But listen, I, I, I'm proud of my, I've, I've got three New York top 10 best-selling authors endorsing my book. I've got uh, a guy who wrote two uh, New York top 10 best-selling uh, books, you know, writing the foreword for my book. It won the transformational book of the year. Like, you know, so I'm proud of it and it hurts me not to put it out there. But one day it will be. And, and one of the things that we're doing with this uh, university, the uh, school that we're coming out with, uh, and by the way, it's been a delayed a week because Jesse needed to take some time off. We were going to do our videos on Friday, uh, which we didn't do, but we will. Um, so a lot of this stuff is going to come out from my book, but be expanded on. Uh, so you're going to get it. And by the way, some of the teachings that I've done on this program have actually come out of my book. So I'm kind of giving it to you anyways. And, you know, yeah. eventually there'll be a hard copy, but, you know, I'm not trying to keep any secrets or anything. That's just really the way it is today. Well, giving it verbally and in the lessons, I think is much more productive than 
reading it, not saying that reading is not good, but I think as people see you giving that information face-to-face, it, it speaks more to them. Well, so, I'm expanding on it a little bit yeah. too. And plus, I, listen, I've grown since I wrote the book. You know, I've grown a lot because I keep studying and I keep learning. I learn every day. So, and uh, anyways, fantastic, Jesse. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, that was a beautiful word you had. And uh, I really appreciate the warfare aspect and, and actually taking the authority. That is really going to stand out. And uh, don't, again, Jews are our friends, <laughs> you know, love your neighbor. <laughs> so, you know, please, uh, you know, don't put hate. And by the way, uh, sorry, one last thing. A couple of people put in comments, you know, actually saying, and it was very few, but said some kind of nasty things about me. And I said, and said, you know, they shouldn't have put this on. It's anti-Semitic. It's bad judgment. Says, okay, that's fine. So, and one person, I'm not going to name names because I don't need to go there, but said, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a celebrated author. I'm an end times expert. I've written books on this stuff. Okay. I said, make a quick video and, uh, and prove that uh, the, that pastor was wrong. I'll put it on there. If it's good, yeah, no, if it avoids the subject, but listen, I want, I don't have all the answers. If you, if you can prove it otherwise, send it. We want to see it. We welcome it. And we're not welcoming it to yeah. mock it or anything. I, I have an open mind. I but agree. I'd like a powerful case. scholars to step forward and to share their thoughts on this passage. That's what we need to hear. That's right. Absolutely. So, you know, the, it's not, to, if we're not challenging in a negative way, we're challenging in a positive way. Let's have the conversation. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, have a blessed Sunday or whatever day you're listening to it. I hope you're blessed on that day as well. You've been listening to Jesse and Jeff, news, views, opinions, and attitudes. We are your news now. Keep the faith, brothers and sisters. Soon you'll be able to join the army and come into this collective effort where we are taking authority and going to claim ground and we are going to war. It is a real army. But in the meantime, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio.